can't keep this covenant. So the unconditional part is the part that God keeps. And he knows we're going to screw it up. Israel, he knew we, Israel, this is not a surprise. None of this took God off guard. He, was like, he wasn't like, uh-oh, plot twist. He, he knew it was going to happen. So he laid up these covenants in a way that helped them understand it will be for your good and my glory if you keep it. But rest assured, my name will be known whether you keep it or not. And if you have to be the one I make an example of in a negative way, that's your choice. I'd rather you be the one I make an example of in the positive way. Hi, and thanks again for joining us on Study with Friends. Today we are continuing our study of the covenantal themes of land descendants and special relationship through the latter prophets. If you missed any part of this series or would like the homework, head to our website, studywithfriends.org and search Old Testament. We're available to stream on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, and now you can watch the ladies on YouTube. Let's begin today's study. What about relationships with one another? Is that part of it? Is that a theme? I feel like that's a theme that comes up a lot. It is, but it's not really part of the covenants. Um, God doesn't really promise um, how we'll relate to each other only because the covenant promises. So you're giving me a little bit of a good springboard to also talk about the conditional and unconditional nature of each of these covenants. So there's a conditional nature and it's weird. How can a promise be conditional and unconditional at the same time? So this will relate to that. Um, if you're patient, if you can give me a minute, there's a conditional nature, which is how we treat each other and how we treat, um, uh, God's land and how we treat our relationship with him will impact. And he's laid all those things out. Like a lot of the laws in the Bible are about how we treat each other. Uh, tons of stuff about murder and stealing and all those laws that feel kind of distant and that we've learned as New Testament believers to like eschew because the, the Pharisees were too focused on those laws. Well, those laws were there for a reason to teach us, to teach Israel how to live in a set apart way. And the purpose for Israel was that Israel would be God's elect to show himself to the nations around, not because he wanted to give them special treatment or which he did or something um, because they earned it, but he just chose those people to give the rest of the world a, um, a view of who he is and what he does. So sometimes that was... Um, military victories. Sometimes it was miraculous occurrences like the parting of the Red Sea, but he chose this group to um, show the rest of the world who he is. Totally true for us as Christians as well, right? So we can do the things that the Old Testament prescribes in the laws or the New Testament prescribes and how we're supposed to treat each other, social justice and, and care for the widow and the orphan and all that, or we can not do those things and that's sin. So, but we're humans. And so God knows we're going to do, we're not, we can't keep this covenant. So the unconditional part is the part that God keeps. And he knows we're going to screw it up. Israel, he knew we, Israel, this is not a surprise. None mm -hmm. of this took God off guard. He was like, he wasn't like, uh-oh, plot twist. Mm -hmm. he, he knew it was going to happen. So he laid up these covenants in a way that helped them understand it will be for your good and my glory if you keep it. But rest assured, my name will be known whether you keep it or not. 
And if you have to be the one I make an example of in a negative way, that's your choice. I'd rather you be the one I make an example of in the positive way. And we see the journey of Israel, um, you know, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, twice, twice the seas were parted, once with Moses, once with Joshua, coming into this promised land, all these military victories. And, you know, Rahab, when, when they came upon her, she said, I've heard of you and your God. So this is the purpose of Israel, that, that the nations were made aware of, not just of who Israel is, but who God is. Um, and in fact, God was really careful to make sure that it never did appear that it was done by any of the leaders, that it was clear that it was him. In fact, that's why he was so upset with Moses, because Moses struck that rock Mm. And made it seem like it's it was Moses mm-hmm. who made it happen. Um, and so you see that all throughout as well. The judges, which um, one of one of the um, authors that I really like says that that um, a better description of the judges would be warlords or military leaders. They were not really like robed um, mm-hmm deciding your fate kind of people. They were about I mean, they did do those things. They judged um hopefully they judged rightly the things that were brought to them. But but more than that, they were sort of um, instruments of God's deliverance um, through military victory, uh, breaking out of oppression. So, um, so how we treat each other is a conditional element that the covenant can't rest on that because we'll always fail. It can only rest on the things that God is sure to deliver, how he protected the descendancy through shenanigans that happened all through like tons of stuff. Like think about it when, when everybody else was um, just having normal reproduction, the um, Israelites became so numerous in Egypt that Pharaoh had to turn them into slaves and oppress them. So he was blessing the descendancy. He was making them fruitful and, and multiply. And so when you think about all the iterations and all the stories, and we talk about Joseph and his code and, you know, Eve and the apple, and we think about these object lessons, but underneath all of those things is land descendants and a special relationship with God. And what are the people doing with those three elements at that time? And that helps you have um, an anchor or a roadmap or whatever you want to call it, a place that you can land wherever you open the Old Testament. So you open up Habakkuk, all you have to know is, what was happening with Israel with respect to the land, the special relationship with God, and the descendants at this moment? Where was Israel right then in that covenant theme? And it helps you understand everything that Habakkuk said. And when we do that, it can also help us understand how to relate it to ourselves. So that's the goal, right? So um, one of the things I want to make sure we do in, in laying this foundation is talk a little bit about the personal application because I think when we take the personal application first— it helps us to unpack this sometimes dense part of the Old Testament. So um, way back in the first part of the series, which I, you probably don't have Put printed out. out. I'm just going <laughs> to feed it to you. Okay. We talked about um, land descendants and a special relationship with God. And one of the things that I did in the homework was um, trying to help us think a little bit differently about each of those things. We've done a little bit of that already. But I want you guys to tell me first, when you think of biblical, biblical promised land, tell me what you think of. Manna. Great. Manna. What else? Um, wait, don't was overthink this, it. I was going to say the page numbers, but. Yeah, I it's can't. not. I don't, mm. e- the, I don't even have a page number. Because I have the. Did you bring the whole thing? 
Not the whole thing. Just yeah. ones you told us to. All right. So yeah. it's um, it's just under land, under the three keys. In the oh, first wait. I, it's literally on the first page. Okay. Um, but yeah, I have like. <laughs> where <laughs> is that? Um, <laughs> I was like, where is it? I have um, like 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. Although that's Jesus. That is. I Four thought they years. were. 40, 40 years. years. That's mm-hmm. I had the 40 yeah, right. Yeah, you like did have 40 right. By the in way, a hilariously tiny desert. <laughs> but let's I know, but let's not miss that. That's good that 40, you 40. Yeah, yeah. 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 40, There's a lot of 40. 40s, lots of 3s, mm-hmm. lots of 7s. You know what? I'm also going to blow your mind with. Uh-oh. That blew my mind too. That w- um what Israel understood at that time, what all the Jews understood at that time was when they call Jesus, when they say Jesus is the son of God or when Jesus says God, my father, I am the son. Actually, what I learned is that son language is Israel language. All through the Old Testament, God says, Israel, my son, Israel, my son. And it's a very strange thing to say. I assume it's just because it's a language that we don't speak. But it's so interesting because then you pull it through and it's when you see Jesus, my son, the parallels are Im- mm. in very intense. So you just hit one of them, which is 40 mm-hmm. and 40 in the wilderness um, before entering a promised land, which is Jesus's time. You of, are blowing yeah. my mind right now. I know. <laughs> I, I know. Will. You got to go to seminary. At some yeah. time in your life, you just have to do it. So I want to ask my roommate about that. She speaks Hebrew. Oh, um, so this language for the son in Jesus is the same as yeah. So what what what, what you want to think about is this: son language is Israel language until Jesus came. Okay. We think when we think of God's son, we think of Jesus. But before Jesus came, when people would say God's son, they thought of Israel. Okay. Because God referred okay. to Israel in that way. Ah. And you don't have to speak Hebrew to see that. There, it's all throughout the Old Testament. Okay. It says, Israel, my son. Israel, my son. In fact, even when he, he's asking um, Pharaoh to let his people, he says, my, let my son worship me in the desert. Let my That's son. That's what he says? Because mm-hmm. we translate it as people. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Very. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So what else do you think of when you think of biblical promised land? I think I'm looking honey. Yeah, I, I have um, honey, all yeah. of mine are very veggie tales based. Yeah, I was gonna say like <laughs> fruit. Um, <laughs> okay. Like what? What'd you I'm say? Fruit. Yeah. Just like, oh yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of milk and honey. I'm thinking about that one with the mustache who is also a pirate who do- doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. Mm. The short one. The short one. What was his Paw name? grape. Paw grape. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay, so he was in one. that episode. So I think of him mainly. I think he oh, played he Moses. I think I he think was <laughs> Moses. Ah, veggie tales. I'm not gonna lie to you. For the longest time, my tiny brain. Uh, you know, understood the image of God as the paw grape. No, <laughs> not paw grape. Paw grape was Moses. Uh, but uh, the I f- don't remember the context of it. But the silly song was "God is bigger than the boogeyman," and that oh, piece of celery yes. with the Franken. Oh yeah, I was like, well, that must be what that God looks like. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> so for the longest time, <laughs> Franken celery. <laughs> yeah, well, I think or at that least he was I think that as children, we try to think of um, concrete examples because God is really hard to conceive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of he's kind of hard to conceive. Mm-hmm. He, he's hard to conceive even as adults, which is why having roadmaps like this are really helpful. Um, okay, so any other things? Yeah, I, I heard what you said, which was basically fruitful, mm-hmm. and really what that kind of represents is like all good things mm-hmm. right like this is rest um i keep bonking this um 
um, peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, not fact, fruitful just peace. in like the physical fruit sense, but fruitful in like a like rest and peace and just like mm-hmm. abundance. Providing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and God says in a lot of, um, in fact, even in the Davidic covenant, he says, and you will have rest from your enemies. Yeah, so that a lot of a lot of promised land. Um, good, those are good, by the way. So, can I ask you to just um, extrapolate any way you can how those physical examples might translate to spiritual examples? No. What I'm thinking about is um, rest from my enemies. Oh, okay, not like the- right. So <laughs> spiritually, like if I'm aware that God is for me, who can be against me? If I really embody that then I really, um, I'm less affected by what other people might think about me or say about me. So a rest from my enemies in when I can abide in Christ, which is my spiritual promised land. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, you said wilderness. So when I think about wilderness wanderings, when I'm not abiding in my promised land and that experience of just wandering around in a, lack of anchor kind of lack of direction kind of way and then arriving for the first time or again into that spiritual intimacy with God um, I can find parallels spiritually between the wilderness and the promised land does that make sense Mm -hmm. Um, what are the other ones that you guys said and can you can you um, apply that I have two quick questions about like things I wrote down and then I have an example okay great Um, was Joshua involved because I was like... In the promised land? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so basically... Mind. They didn't get there for a while. Yeah. For a lot yeah. Of so yeah. Moses Moses brought them out of Egypt, and yeah. they and he led them in the wilderness. Um, God was there. They built the tabernacle, the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai. Um, and then Moses basically took them to the cusp of the promised land. He had this big speech, like, don't forget stuff, and don't forget, don't forget, and then everybody forgot. And then Joshua basically is like the next in line Moses Joshua and Moses were super tight bros and uh, no no um, no um, chronological interruption like they they were very close and Moses was like you're next and then Joshua I mean God was said God said you're next and then Joshua takes them into the promised land Um, they destroy the um, the different places that Joshua is yeah, one of them is Jericho. Um, and uh, sometimes he wins f- through these very strange victories, like marching around. And um, and yeah, so Joshua brings them into the promised land. And then he leads them during what we call the distribution and the maintenance, like the retaining of the promised land. So Joshua leads them in, um, allocates the promised land, because the tribes each are supposed to have sort mm-hmm. of a little chunk of land Mm -hmm. and then he leads them through the time of retaining it because people are trying to take it back so he's a big part of it very good what else um is it another promise land question yeah okay i just didn't want to move off um i just (laughs) i have a question mark after this one but i might be confusing it with jericho was there a wall around it or was it just like yeah well most cities did have walls um, it was part of the way you would build a city to make sure that you kept it safe. Mm. But they weren't the walls that you, the way you think of walls right now. They were really thick and people could actually live in them. Remember Rahab, Rahab lived yeah. in the wall. Yeah. 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 So people could actually live in sort of like apartments. Yeah. So it was almost like the thickness of a, a dwelling that mm. you could live in the wall. 
And then um, obviously people kept watch on the wall. And so, yeah, when the walls came down, that was, that probably took was Jericho? It's hu- a human toll. Jericho is the one they marched around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they needed to um, push out the people who God said are not rightfully um, inhabiting this land. This land is for you. And a lot of people, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but a lot of people get very upset about it. It feels the, very colonizing to me. Well, n- no, it's not. Because when you think about it differently um, and remember that all of it belongs to God in the first place. Yeah, okay. And so he gets to decide. So if this were, this is, we happen to be sitting in my house. Um, if, um, probably me, but not me, but my husband could do it. I'm, cause I'm not as tough as he is. But <laughs> if someone came, if we went on vacation and someone, I think it's called squatting. Someone came and lived in our house, but they didn't have any right to live here. We would eject them Wouldn't because be we see if someone lived in our house while we weren't here. Yeah, but people do it. I mean, we don't I mean, we yeah. don't live in a city, but mm-hmm. it happens. If mm-hmm. you don't live in a, in, a, in a dwelling for a while, someone may move in. I'm making fun of her. Who doesn't <laughs> who doesn't belong there. And it would be your right to eject them because that property belongs to you. Mm-hmm. And so okay. um, I That's hope that helps concept. you think about it. Yeah. In a yeah. different way. Different. Also, yeah. because I, yeah. it just feels very yeah. conquistador <laughs> like yeah but i know it's not but it feels that yeah way. and i think that i think that it probably feels that way because a lot of people have wrongly used the name of god yeah. to um do things like that over mm-hmm. the years but um that's a different problem this is okay. god saying god's this land. is where yeah. i intended for you all to live mm-hmm. and um the people who are in it do don't have a right to it and we're going to move in and we're going to do that. And by the way, don't forget, he never came in to that land and said, just beat him up, kill him and get him. He always said, you should leave. You should leave. And that's why Rahab said, I've heard of you. When you, when you take this city, remember me. Mm-hmm. So the people knew that this was the God of the universe. He, was, he had made himself known parting the water like there was plenty tornado plenty that happened but think about how he defeated the most powerful um power at that time of egypt Mm -hmm. so his name was known and if he said this is play this is where we're going and you didn't get out of dodge that's really kind of on you okay I mean, I know that feels like victim shaming to you. It does. I know know you. I know you. I know. (laughs) Okay. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. But anyway, I want to, um, I also want to talk to you about. I have a question about the promised land. Oh, did you have more? No, I just had a spiritual comparison. Oh, I want to hear it. Let me hear that. And then don't forget, don't forget yours. (laughs) Okay. Um, I had written down like blessings come from hardships and then I made little arrows. So I had like the 40 years in the wilderness, even though like. Hardships are sometimes like things that you bring upon yourself and then other times it's like things that God allows to happen to you. So like that was obviously they did it to themselves. But then also the promised land is like the blessing, even though it was like there's some blessings that you don't know about. And then there's also blessings that you do know about. So, you know, the promised land was a blessing and then the hardship was them wandering around for 40 years. Yeah. And that feels spiritually like easy to compare in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that's good. Okay, what were you going to say? I have a question about the wandering. Just. Sure. If I can answer it, I will. So Moses brings them right up to the promised land. And then they turn around or they just don't go in there. They go in. Just Moses isn't allowed to go in. Okay, but they're wandering. They were wandering because they messed up. 
Mm. And then they forgot. If where they it had was. made a beeline, do you know it was not? It, like, I said yeah. it was a hilarious. Yeah. It's a hilariously yeah. tiny. If you desert look at it. Just yeah, they're just wandering around. Circles, yeah. yeah. Well, how didn't someone? God, was it well, someone like, like we've seen there. this before? No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the same tumbleweed from 20 years ago. Maybe we should go that way instead. Like none of that. Was new. <laughs> I don't know. I think um, it's probable that they. Didn't be, and the mm. reason that I think that is because, um, really, the only thing I can compare it to is when Jesus re- was resurrected and he was walking along the road with two of his mm. not not the twelve disciples, but two disciples, mm-hmm. who so people who like. knew mm-hmm. who he was like intimately, mm-hmm. and he was walking with them for a long way because when you look at it, and it says beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained everything to them. That is not a short conversation, mm-hmm. okay. and they didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. Also, and so I I know that God can veil mm-hmm. things from us. Mm-hmm. Also, there were plenty of times that God veiled things. Um, across the apostles that they just did not see because it wasn't time yet. Mm. And so you, I think a lot of people think, um, why, why were the apostles so obtuse? Like, how did they not see who they were walking with and what was happening? Um, it's, it's pretty clear in scripture that God had veiled their understanding. And in fact, in some cases it actually says that God had veiled their understanding. And then when the resurrection happened, that's why they were completely changed because of course the resurrection changes everything. But also I, I think the veil was lifted. In fact, that's one of the reasons they say the veil was torn because this, this separation between God and his people was torn. And that's a huge, um, I call it like an object lesson, like an actual concrete object lesson of so symbol. this yeah it's, it's symbolic yeah really good um and actually one of the things that we could learn a lot about in in the latter prophets is they did what's called symbolic actions um so when you read the the latter prophets when you dive dive in which i hope you will um you'll see like jeremiah did a lot of symbolic actions um hosea marrying the disreputable woman that was a symbolic action. And so God's big on that stuff. Like, let me show you exactly what I mean. And so tearing the veil was not just about, it was about um, uh, removing the separation, but was also removing sort of mm. the, um, he really in Christ, all Christ was the revelation. So if we look at the Old Testament and how God dripped out the understanding, w- the way you guys just had that experience, which I did too, of, oh my, from creation, oh my gosh, land descendants and a special relationship. This was God's intention, but he dripped that understanding out. If you look at the covenants themselves, um, the Davidic is the most robust. He gives you a lot of detail. Um, and so he's giving a little bit more revelation as time goes by. And so um, that veil I think um, for me, and I think biblically we can make this argument that um, the, a lot of things were veiled to the people of God throughout time until Christ. And then he began to reveal, I mean, Christ is the revelation. So through Christ, we have all the revelation. We can see now in hindsight, our current condition and what he's given us for the future. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So I think it's I think it's probable that they did not know. I'm always so thankful for how timeless and timely God's word is. Thanks again for joining us on this multi-series journey studying God's covenantal promises throughout the Old Testament. We are a weekly Bible study, just like you'll find at your local church. 
If you are in a study like this one, we encourage you to join one. Make sure that the church is teaching from the Bible in every situation. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, instructing them, freely you have received, freely give. We take that command serious here at Study With Friends, so we have created tons of resources on our website that are all free for you to use. They're at studywithfriends.org. Much like the disciples who relied on the generosity of a host, we are 100% donor supported. If you have been particularly blessed by our ministry, would you consider making a donation? Monthly partners are especially helpful to us and no amount is too small. If you are willing to give it, we would be grateful and blessed to have it. You can donate on our website one time or become a monthly partner. That's at studywithfriends.org forward slash donate. We would love to connect with you and hear how your walk is going. We also love to get prayer requests from you. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you prefer, you can email us at info at Remember, you can stream us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Plus, you can now see our studies on YouTube. No matter which way you choose, we hope that you will connect with us. For now, we hope you'll join us next time when we study with friends.